G'day, it's Mash here from the Matt and Jerry Show. Welcome back to another episode of the Matt and Jerry Time Machine, where we go back through the archives and listen to the highlights from a particular week. The boys are obviously still away, so if there's any time and place that you'd like to go back to, be sure to flick me a note at mattandjerryyahoo.com or slide into the Instagram DMs. Anyway, today we're going back to the week of the 8th of August, 2018. Some of the highlights from this week include a Star Trek fact factor, a lesson in broadcasting presented by Leighton Smith, a strange life hack from Matt, Rebecca the nurse, and an according to science. It's the fact factor. I gave you this topic yesterday, Matt, so I'm not going to give you that topic again. I will give you the topic now, but I wasn't going to preempt it before. Uh, in light of Patrick Stewart announcing he will return to Star Trek as Captain Jean-Luc Picard, in a new TV series this morning, I'd like some Star Trek facts or Star Wars facts or whatever star thing. I can't really tell the difference between the two. Are you ready to play the fact factor? That's shocking. I want you to take that back. It's in space. It's set in space with some people pesting around with weird ears. What's your first star fact? The final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry originally wanted the character of Diana Troy in the Next Generation series to have four buzzies. Oh, you can't say that. Fact you, Heath. That's fact. Why are you so breast-focused? <laughs> Before I answer that question, I've got another question for you. I didn't see the remake of Total Recall, but you know how there was the triple-breasted woman on Mars? Did they have a triple-breasted woman in the recent remake of Total Recall? No idea. Because that was a big part of the original, one of the key plot points. See, I can't remember that. In the original, but that's my point before. You're so breast-focused. That's all you remember from that particular <laughs> film is the three breasts. I don't I didn't remember that. Don't you? No. No no memory of that at all. She had one to either side and one in the middle. Well, that's what you'd expect with three. Well, she could have one on her forehead. Anyway, moving on. Just an honest question. Looking for an honest answer. I don't need to be rebuked. What's Might as well stop me from speaking at Massey around that issue. <laughs> What's your second Star Trek fact? Actor James Duhan, who played Scotty in Star Trek, uh, was shot six times on D-Day after successfully landing his men through a minefield and killing two German snipers. One of the shots to the chest would have been fatal, except he had a silver cigarette case in his pocket uh, that was given to him by his brother. Don't believe it. Fact you, Heath. That's fact. It always found these stories about this it's silver fact. cigarette case which saved someone's life. Are you going to swift boat him? I'm going to swift boat for peace. Yeah, I'm swift boating him. Swift boating? I'm saying, I'm calling fake news. I'm invoking my right to a lifeline. 0800 Hobodaki. One caller decides if that fact was good or bad. Well, I'm going to call for people to call. And say whether they like that fact or not. Evan? Patrick with the Massive Downstairs. Good morning. It's been a while. Good morning. What if it has been a while? What have you been up to, Patrick, with the Massive Downstairs? 
Um, oh, just working my ass off, working my downstairs off. Still got a massive downstairs? Or have you worked uh, it off? Hold up, hold up. Yeah, that's still massive. Oh, good. Yeah. Was that a good or a bad fact, Patrick, of the massive downstairs? <laughs> um, I think that was a glorious fact. Glorious. Glory fact? Like a glorious fact? Glorious. 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 What a fact. That has the fact factor. Right? The massive downstairs community <laughs> have got my, got my back. You're still in it. What's your third and final Star Trek fact? The special visor that blind character Geordie LaForge wore to give him vision in Star Trek The Next Generation made the actor LeVar Burton almost blind while wearing it during filming, and he looked like a total spoon as well. <laughs> what do you mean? I love those glasses. It was They're like a, kind of a strip that goes around. Well, this is why you don't hear Geordie much, because no one recognised him without the glasses on, so he didn't really have much of a career after that that I know of. Maybe he did. I would not. Let's see what Geordie... LaForge did after that. Did you vote that up or down? I voted that up. Oh, so I won. What a fact! That has the fact factor. Yeah, because I love the glasses and I love Geordie LaForge. He's a great New Zealander. You know, he reminds me of William Wairoa. He's got those same, those same, the strip, that strip glass, which is a great look. It's very futuristic. Why is the thin glass which doesn't really protect your eyes at all, futuristic. I'm not quite sure, but for some reason, it's futuristic. Seems like larger glasses, like ski goggles, would be more futuristic, but they don't look futuristic. You're still trying to investigate Geordie LaForge's career, aren't you? Oh, no, because Geordie LaForge is his name. So that's he's the character's Geordie LaForge. You're talking about LeVar Burton. Yeah, Le- I'm need to look. Yeah, LeVar Burton is who I'm trying to look at. I was going confused there. Jesus! What? I've never seen LeVar Burton's eyes before. <laughs> Cover those eyes. Well, he does in Star Trek. That's the Jesus. problem. He nearly went blind. Jesus, Geordie LaFord. No, he's LeVar Burton. Oh, LeVar Burton. <laughs> he was in Roots in Star Trek. Oh, and other appearances called uh, Murder, She Wrote. The New Adventures of Captain Planet. And also The Weakest Link. Racist. You might be listening now live to the Matt and Jerry show. You might be listening to this as a podcast format because our podcast is available where all good podcasts are found. Every day. Yesterday I was listening to our podcast for the first time in quite some time and I realised a lot of things about our show by listening to the podcast. One of the things I realised is that I need to slow down and use more pauses. Do I need to slow down and use more pauses? No, I, I don't think you need to do it. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's up to you when you listen to the podcast what you think you need to do after you've listened to it. But when I listened to it, I realised that the best thing I could do was to slow down and use more pauses. Well, do you know what you've stumbled upon, Jeremy? You've stumbled upon the key to broadcasting that Leighton Smith is known for a very long time and, in fact, outlined in one of his shows last year. And here's the audio. Do you know something? You will get far more, all of us, I believe, will get far more out of reading short sentences that break things up. You make more impact by having short... A full stop is the equivalent of a pause. 
And if you don't understand the importance of pausing in broadcasting, then you've got a lot to learn. Mm, he used to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what about how to start mm, a... Si- Radio Horaki. Yeah. Mm. Radio Horaki. Mm, Radio Horaki. Where does that come? That comes from the nose, doesn't it? Radio Horaki. Can you use talk ZB? You, you're the person that mainly says that. Can you be? Can you start adding a bit of flair to your tags? Radio Horaki. That's uh, pretty good. But you. Ne- but maybe before you hit the R. Oh, I see. Because he's got the end yeah. to it, with, so he can go. Mm, mm, use talk ZB. That comes from the nose. Radio Hodak. It's the same noise when you say ngangaro, ngangaro, ngang. There's a ngang. Radio Hodak. Whereas we've got the. Let's get. That's kind of same as let's get. Get ready to Radio Hodaki. That would be a bit much, maybe. God, I can't wait to hear this life hack of yours. Yeah. Okay. Well, the tenets of it are as follows. Point A, mm-hmm. your downstairs is generally pretty clean. Yes. Because in the morning, you shower. Yeah. And then you put away in a case. Yep. Being your undies. Yes, as long as your undies are clean. Yeah. And generally my night. Generally. Mm. Um, and then you put, put maybe a pair of pants or jeans over the top of it. So yes. it is solidly clean and put away. Totally. And and it doesn't touch anything. Yeah. Okay, the second point is your hands touch everything, right? Yes. So, why? So, the order that we clean our hands after going for a number one, if we do go for a clean our hands after number one, is all the hell out of whack. Yes. You should clean your hands before you take the number one, before you put your hands on your downstairs, because mm-hmm. you're much, 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 many more magnitudes more likely to transfer um, disease and bacteria and germs from your hands to your downstairs. So, you know, what is your downstairs thinking? It's like this guy's going around, he's touching everything, he's shaking hands, he's doing all sorts of disgusting stuff with his hands. He unzups me, goes for a wee, downstairs is going, I'm clean as, bro. Then you zip up and then the downstairs can hear you washing your hands and you're downstairs going, dude, I wasn't the one that was running around town touching everything. So, essentially, the idea is clean before you wean. No, it doesn't quite work. No, it doesn't work. But uh, I get the point. Wash no. before you splosh. <laughs> Either way, though, because if your downstairs are clean, right, so your hands are dirty, yes. you go in to do number ones, mm-hmm. you then transfer that those germs to your downstairs, which was quite clean before. Yes. Then you then exit and you wash your hands afterwards. Yes. Thus being your hands are now clean again. But your downstairs now has the germs from your hands originally that you've transferred into your downstairs. A hundred percent. Whereas if you wash beforehand, you're getting no more dirt on your hands after you've washed because your downstairs is, is clean generally unless you've been up to something at work. You know, a lot of people do get up to that kind of stuff at work and good on them. Mm. You know, it's if you can have a good time in a cubicle, go for it. And in that case, maybe you need to wash your hands afterwards. But generally speaking, you've had a shower before you go to work. Your downstairs is clean. Your hands aren't. You're transferring the dirt onto your downstairs and then cleaning your hands afterwards. What are you doing? Yeah. It still doesn't help the fact that my hands have got these cuts all over them, which is not ideal from the dryness of soap on your hands all the time. Lynn from Dunedin, good morning. Welcome to the Matt and Jerry Show. How can we help you? 
I'll have actually got a tip which hopefully will help you, Jerry. Oh, please, love. If, if you, um, in terms of your hands, I suffer with really dry and chapped hands through winter as well. So what I do, if you get a really, really good hand cream, something like Neutrogena or something like that, a really, like, thick one, and if you do washing up at home, put some put some hand cream on, then put your marigolds on and put your hands in the hot water, and it's like a deep conditioning treatment. It soaks right into your skin and it really helps. Okay, so hold on. So I put on the Vaseline Intensive Care. Saves yep. your skin. It can save your skin and save your hands. So I put yep. that on. Then I put on rubber dishwashing gloves. Yep. And then I go Madge styles into some hot water in the st- in the sink. You're soaking in it, and then yep. and then the sweat. I'm guessing from the heat that my hands are producing inside of the rubber gloves then helps soak in the Vaseline Intensive Care. Yeah, it just kind of melts into your skin, so it's like a really sort of deep conditioning treatment. Now, almost like if you go to some beauty therapy places, they'll do like a wax paraffin treatment on your hands, which is really good too. And it's the heat that makes it soak in, which stops your hands hurting. Lynn, have you ever been to a beauty therapist and they've just had a bowl of palm olive and put your hands in it and said... Yeah, no, I can't say I've ever done that. You're soaking in it. You're soaking in it. You don't want to do that. (laughs) That will dry up your hands like nobody's business. Are you saying Pam from Palm Olive? Was it Madge? Madge, I think. Madge from Palm Olive. It should have been Pam from Palm Olive. Mm. Anyway, um, she was lying. I think she was lying. Totally, yeah. Because, I mean, look at my hands. Look at these cuts all over them. Mm. I've been soaking in it. Looks like you've been involved in some kind of assault or something. Yeah. Good morning, Rebecca. Welcome to the Matt and Jerry show. I believe you're a nurse. Yeah, good morning. I just um, couldn't help myself when Matt was talking about washing your hands before you go to the toilet because that's what we all usually do. You, oh, you medical professionals agree yes, with my theory. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So, um, yeah, we have a little saying that says, you know you're a nurse when you wash your hands before you go to the toilet. Oh, yes. And you also wash your hands all the way up your wrists, eh? Yeah, we just wash everything. We're a little bit crazy. You can, you can tell a medical professional because they, they, they wash their hands and then they wash really high. <laughs> yeah. You can tell a well a woman by the way um, she wears her hair. Uh, uh, so how... We do get a lot of cracked skin as well on our hands, so right. I, can, I agree with both of you. Okay, so how far up do you wash, Rebecca? Um, probably mid-forearms. So I'm not a surgeon, so I don't go all the way. So, but how much, how much, how many germs, how many, how much germs, how many germs is, is making, its, is making its way up to the elbow? How, and how yeah. is it getting there? Well, how deep are you going into another human, I guess? Oh, yeah, yeah. Some of the things we have to deal with and clean up aren't that pleasant. You yes. don't want to think about how many germs you're coming in contact with. You don't, yeah. You know, yeah. Someone like Rebecca is probably going to experience a bit of splashback from the Im- oh. from the invalids. Matt, that's... Yeah, yeah unfortunately, yeah. And, but I mean, it's true. We, we were talking... So, sorry, Jerry, but we, we you, you told me something the other day, Jerry, about a theory that people should only high-five and not shake hands and that shaking hands was spreading a lot of disease. Which, that would be true, wouldn't it, Rebecca? Because then oh, you've I'd got... I'd say high-fiving would probably do the same, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, fist pump. Oh, fist pump. Yeah, fist pump's oh, the way yeah. to go. Yeah that, yeah, that would probably reduce it. Fist good, pump. good idea. It turns out that you're shaking hands is a real germ spreader. <laughs> and whilst a lot of people think that the hongi may be a real germ spreader, in actual fact it wouldn't be. Not as much as, as shaking hands. 
What about Rebecca, a standing spoon? So when you meet someone, you come up and you hug them from behind, therefore your head is facing the back of their head and none of your germy bits touch, you know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, that's a little awkward though, isn't it? Yeah, especially if you know, I get... I hope they wouldn't have um, parts of it inflated before. You might see you now, you could be some two particles floating around. Well, look, if, if as Rebecca said, and as you suggested before, Matt, that your downstairs is the cleanest part of your body, what about just a little come up in a little cup? A little cup to greet, you know? Come on, a little cup, how are you? Yeah, and cough. Kind of like the dog sniffing each other's thumb. You know, side each other really quickly. And a little cup. Everything seems to be going along there quite nicely. Uh, Rebecca, thank you so much for ringing up and thank you for your insights. Appreciate that. You're welcome. According to science... Dr. Damien Christie joins us from the National Chamber of Science. And Dr. Damien, so far this year we've found out so many things, including is it okay to drink your own wheeze, what is a nice hearing headache, and whether animals can be members of the LGBTQI community. Today, though, Dr. Damien, we want to know why is there no cure for the common cold, for God's sake? I know, I know. What's that about? I'm coming to you live from um, Mount Monganui this morning. Um, overcast, drizzly, not doing that well. But uh, yeah, a good day. A good day to discuss this because I don't know about your sort of Fano, but uh, around my Fano, it's been getting pretty, um, pretty, pretty sickly and um, colds and flus and all these sorts of things. Um, so the cold is the world's most widespread infectious disease, but it's actually about 200 different viruses. Um, that we sort of group into, lump into the common cold. The thing that they have in common is that they um, uh, is that they infect your um, your nasal sort of passage, respiratory passages, and, and you know end up being congested and drippy and all that sort of stuff. Um, none of those two hundred viruses, though, um, have any relation to being cold. So you know when you tell your kids you know you come in from outside, or your mum used to say to you you know put some clothes on, you'll you'll catch your death of cold. Well, yeah. that's not true at all. No. Um, how do they know this? Well, because science, right? So what they did was um, there was some tests done and they got people to stand in wet clothes in a cold, drafty corridor. And, um, and whilst, another group, whilst another group got to stand around the fire and, um, and be nice and warm and there was no difference in terms of who got a cold and who didn't. Um, I love the science and these sorts of things, you know. So why um, do we get more colds in the winter, Dr. Damien Christie from the National Chamber um, Well... Let me get back to you on that one. Well, um, I'll, I'll tell I'll, you why, Dr. <laughs> Damien. I'll tell you why. This is not the official view of the National Chamber of Science, but this is something that I've read. It's because we're indoors more during winter and we mm. spend more time um, indoors. It's basically the fact that we're indoors, so we're sharing our things around. So colds exist through summer, as we all know, because we've all had a cold in summer and gone, what the hell, I've got a cold in summer. It's bloody 35 degrees. But the reason that you don't is because you're not inside as much and it does, humans... Humans spread germs more when they're inside together. That's yeah, look. That's, that sounds that sounds credible to me. Um, I will give that. I won't give that as the official chamber tick, but um, it does sound good. But sorry, I didn't uh, research that particular well, that, part. Next time you're on the Chesterfield at the uh, National Chamber of Science with your brandy and your pipe, just fire <laughs> that across to one of the medical experts and see what they say. I will. I will. I'll fire it up. Myself. Oh, there's a chap on the radio the other day. No, it's a great, a great piece of research. How how does it get spread? Um, a great piece of research. 1984, they got a bunch of people infected with colds and they got them to kiss healthy people. Um, uh, they were instructed to use whichever technique felt the most natural. 
Um, out of 16 people who got, got pashed um, by or, or otherwise by someone with a cold, only one got infected. What? Um, yeah, so that's interesting. Um, there's evidence um, of people trying to cure the common cold from as far back as 1500 BC. Um, there's an ancient Egyptian scroll, the prescription, um, which is basically what it was, amongst an incantation and some other things, says that you should take the milk of someone who has born a male child. Um, yeah, so, yeah, take I don't it. know. Take it's, it as in, yeah. take it. Well, steal you know, drink. take it and take drink. drink. Oh, take okay. and drink. Yeah. drink. So drink some, drink some breast milk from someone who has recently born a male child. Wow. Um, Did that work? Yeah. Well, it probably what isn't 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 there some kind of immunity in breast milk? You know, isn't there some kind of stuff that helps the baby? Well, that, again, there's, there's there's stuff in breast milk that's quite good for you. But um, I don't know. I, again, it's it's something that's fallen out of favour recently. Um, taking breast milk um, as, a, as an adult um, to ward off sickness. Vitamin C, echinacea, ginger. Now these are the things that you hear about all the time. You know, the lady at the office that says, "Oh, I take vitamin C and echinacea. It does me a world of good." Doesn't really. Doesn't do a lot. Um, there's some evidence it's got some some small things, but it's not the it's not the sort of the panacea, the the garlic to the vampires. You know that people hold it up to be. Um, so there are seven main families of common cold. Um, rhinovirus is the main one. It causes about three quarters of colds. Um, so researchers have been targeting that one. And the ninth, they've been trying to uh, make a vaccine against it for a long time. They started in the 1950s. Um, and they gave up in, um, about 20 years later and they tried again in the 1990s and then they focused more on AIDS because AIDS was more of a thing they needed to focus on. Um, the cold is, whilst it's, it affects a lot of people, it's never seen, because it is, you know, you get it and then it goes away a couple of days later and it's slightly annoying. It's never been this major, um, you know, major thing that we feel that we need to tackle now and because there are 200 different viruses and even within the rhinovirus there's a whole lot of different, there's about 140 different rhinoviruses. It's very hard to get one vaccine that's going to work against them all. But they have just started it again recently, a couple of years ago. Some scientists have gone, right, we can do this now. Um, and so they are once again trying to target it. So will this time they be successful? Well, the, the, one of the biggest barriers is actually commercial, um, the commercial aspect to it. You know, you need someone to fund this. Um, if you could get a cure for the common cold, would you get vaccinated against the common cold? Would you go and get an injection? I mean, I don't get, I don't get flu injections, and I probably should, but, you know, would you bother to get an injection against the cold? So if it's not going to work commercially, then people might not, you know, might not investigate. That is the, they might, you know, it takes a lot of money to get a drug through to um, being commercially available. Yeah. Yes. You generally get one or two a year. I mean, and as you said, Dr. Damien, it's one of those things you get it, you feel a bit rubbish. The, the worst, for me, the worst part of the cold is the first day where you feel a bit rubbish. Mm. Uh, and um, and then after that, you kind of just sort of deal with it. Um, Once you get to the snotty phase, right, you know, it's, it's the knowing it's coming on and that, and, and that sort of, that, but then once it gets to snotty, you're fine. Kids get up to 10 colds a year and you're right, Jeremy, adults get between two and four on average. Yeah, so, I mean, my son Hugo had one for about four years and it was, he just constantly <laughs> had a cold and he'd just get over one and it just seemed to dry up and then boom, into the next one. But apparently that's the way, so you, you build up immunity to them and so later on, that's why as adults we don't always get them from our children mm-hmm. because we've got a immunity because we've already had a lot of these ones over time but I also read something interesting Damien that that because of international travel and uh, the fact that people are travelling around from place to place a lot more now there's way more spread of colds Mm. than there have Mm. ever been so uh, you'll have people going overseas and they'll be picking up certain germs they'll be bringing them back and but as a result they think that later on that's actually going to be a positive thing 
Yes, the super bugs don't wipe us out first. Yeah, well, there is that yeah. too. <laughs> All right, well, thank you um, so much for your time this morning, Dr. Damien Christie from the National Chamber of Science. Well, there they are. There are some of the highlights from the week of the 8th of August, 2018. Now, tomorrow we've got a highly requested episode. I won't say anything more than that. All I know is we've been able to talk to some people. We've been able to figure out if these things are okay to play and repeat. And we're going to give it a go tomorrow. Anyway, see you tomorrow. Bliss, bliss, bliss.